Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so in video form and audio form, large device or small. Could be the the big 60-inch HDMI cable that you plug into the side of the TV so you can see Hannah and me talking about everything going on here in the state of Georgia involving high school football. And this one, we're talking high school football, but there's a word in front of the word football that we're putting in this particular time. My favorite word, girls. And, we are yeah. taking a deep dive today into the newest GHSA official and extremely, extremely popular sport of girls flag football. And we've got two guests on today to break a lot of this down. There are 222 teams participating and our TV ratings were off the charts for the championships last year. <laughs> one of the girls flag football games is one of the most watched on our entire GPB sports YouTube page. This sport is blowing up in Georgia, John, and I am so excited to be breaking this down for our listeners today. So for those of you that haven't had the chance to watch it, go to the GPB sports YouTube channel mm-hmm. and do a search for the West Forsyth Hillgrove game. And that is the one that is one, of the most, is one of the most viewed clips that we have in our files on the GPB Sports YouTube channel. And it was funny when we started doing this a couple, couple of seasons ago on showing the, the games on our air as a part of Championship Weekend. There was a, a, it was a big surprise at how receptive folks were about watching these games as the predecessor, the daily predecessor to the, the football games. And on social media and on our Twitter and everything, it's all blowing up. And the, and the one quote that has always stuck with me is that this is the this one particular Twitter user said that this is the guilty pleasure I didn't know that I had until I started watching. And I think that that's key in all of this. Once you start watching. You're brought in, and you are absolutely hooked. You're hooked, and it is it is true across the entire state. We had the honor of airing the very first championships in 2020, and some of the clips were on SportsCenter Top 10 mm-hmm. the very next day. There were two divisions then. The sport became so popular. Now there are three divisions, which we aired the three championships games in 2021. The future of the sport mm-hmm. could be, I talked to Ernie Yarborough, the assistant executive director of GHSA, and there could be four divisions just. <laughs> next season. So the, the snowball is is continuing down the hill. Not a surprise when you have now 222 is the number that you gave, right? This year. Basically, that's half of the schools in the GHSA wow. that are attaching themselves to flag football because it's north of 400. I want to say it's like 438 or something like that. You don't that. know the official number, John? I, well, 405 play football. And so I'm trying to You get, don't know the official number, John? I think John? it's 438, <laughs> but I think 405 were attached to football in one way or another. And you've got half of that number okay. going through a COVID year, coming out of a COVID year, and it's basically doubled and doubled again. Yeah. To where you're north of 200, so you've got more than 50% of the participating members in the Georgia High School Association now attached to flag football. And literally, this is like trying to grab a comet by the tail and trying to, to figure out how we get to, to lock into it. So now it's been really cool. Yeah. So we're going to break all that down with our guests today. But I want to get started with a quote from the West Forsyth AD, Brett Phipps. I talked to him about the Wolverine State Championship in the very first year in 2000 and why he thinks the sport has taken off. Here's what he told me. We obviously live in a hotbed of football in the state of Georgia. And, um, you know, 
everyone, men and women, enjoy the game. And so I think the kids just saw this as a way to, to get involved. And, and then when we finally got to do that inaugural season for us when we were piloting it, the uh, thing that I started noticing is how much every game the crowd got a little bigger. You know, the first couple games, there was just some parents there. But by the end of the season, we actually had a really good crowd for the championship, which we hosted here that night. And so many of the people that came said they couldn't get over how fun it was. And and I've kind of equated it to kind of like arena league football. It's fast paced, lots of action, lots of scoring. Um, And I just think, I think it's just a fun hour to sit and watch, you know, football really. And he's not wrong. He is absolutely not wrong with with that. And and I like the comparison to arena football because Mm -hmm. it's fast. You've got to be paying attention. It's constantly there. And the action is nonstop. And you get to see a a new round of stars that are attached to the sport with West Forsyth winning and Calvary Day winning in 2020. In 2021, it was Southeast Bullock. It was Dodge and it was Hillgrove. And we've gotten to see rivalries actually start forming already in their their first just a couple of initial years you're starting to see rivalries show up in flag football and yeah. i think it's really cool well the reason i reached out to brett was that be- was because we have a big announcement to make Drum roll. hit it <laughs> we will be airing a full schedule of flag football this fall streaming, Mm -hmm. starting with West Forsyth's Clash of Champions. So it's a kickoff tournament involving six teams on October 13th. There'll be a 6 o'clock game, 7 o'clock game, 8 o'clock game, and we are streaming the entire thing, and this is huge. So follow along if you're not so far. Download the GPB Sports app available for iOS and Android. So however you are accessing your streaming these days, October 13th, and if I'm not mistaken, that's a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So Thursday night, October 13th, the Clash of Champions at West Forsyth. This is like the the Daytona 500 for girls flag football football because you like to have the the big race right at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. That's what you've got with the Daytona 500. So this is the Daytona 500, calling it right now, the Daytona 500 of girls flag football here in the state of Georgia. Schedule right now as we know it. Six o'clock, your leadoff is Southeast Bullock and Hillgrove, two defending champs going up against each other in in game number one. Portal, and we'll have some portal uh, assistance in discussing flag football and participation. Portal participation. Say that ten portal times. Portal participation. Thank you. Uh, we'll have some portal participation here on the podcast in just a little bit discussing portal. The Portal Panthers, who've made two championship game appearances, they're going to be taking on Archer in the middle game. And at 8 o'clock, West Forsyth, your hosts, taking on Marietta. So three great matchups Thursday night, October 13th, on the GPB streaming platforms, you're going to get the Clash of Champions, the Daytona 500 of girls flag football in the state of Georgia coming up in October. Very, very cool. But we're going to fool you. We're going to treat this like a real broadcast. And it's going to be, we're going to we're going to give these girls what they deserve. No, it's the airtime of be, what they deserve. It's going to be absolutely epic to see this in this format. And, you know, and Brett mentioned the crowd. And I want to see what the crowd's going to be yeah, like, especially too. with everyone traveling from all these different locations. You yeah, get to coming see up from the south. Bullock well, County, Central. East Central Georgia is going to be represented with two of the six teams in Southeast Love Bullock it. and Portal. They may pool their resources to, to come up and to see the, the impact from East Central Georgia coming up for the Clash of Champions. I think that's going to be great. Obviously, with what we know from Cobb County and Forsyth County, they're going to be coming in. So I can't wait to see what the crowds are going to be like on this Thursday night. And second part of our announcement, following the Clash of Champions, we will be streaming a game of the week every Thursday 
on GPB Sports. Very, very so, cool. It's exciting. Exciting. So your home for flag football here in the state of Georgia. It is GPB Sports and all of the GPB platforms. And and just to think about how big this has become. We've seen it grow here in the state of Georgia, like doubled and doubled again in very short time. Alabama High School Association, they had their first ever state championships last year. Uh, the state of New York and New Jersey, they're in the tri-state. New Jersey had their state championships, and they played it at MetLife Stadium. Wow, they how had, cool. They had eight teams uh, go into their particular championship round, and then they whittled it down there in like, uh, I think it was like one day tournament for eight teams to start things off as a pilot program, playing it at MetLife Stadium, the home of the Giants and the Jets. You get that kind of experience. You come to downtown Atlanta and you get to see it there with uh, our friends at Georgia State Stadium as well and Pete Petty Field and uh, Center Park. But no, it's fantastic to see all this stuff go down. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to our guests today because they have a plethora of knowledge on all things girls' flag football. And our first one helped put the sports on the map in Georgia. That's the District Athletic Director for Cherokee County Schools, Tanya Sebring. We'll bring her in. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, I know the Atlanta Falcons played a huge role in getting girls' flag football up and running. What all did they do and how did you get involved? Well, yes, the Atlanta Falcons have been a huge partner in getting this thing up and going. Um, I actually met Amanda Dinkle, who is um, in charge of community relations and getting this thing off the ground as part of Arthur Blank's vision. She introduced herself and uh, presented at one of our what we call Metro RESA athletic directors meetings, which is basically a, a meeting of all the athletic directors, district athletic directors in, in metro area. And she pitched uh, Arthur Blake's vision that, hey, we want to start flag football. We think there's a, a need here or a want here, and we're going to fully fund it. Uh, we just need you to apply for the grant. And um, I went back to my superintendent or my school op- operations chief and said, you know, listen, this is at no cost to us, and this is another opportunity for our kids. I think we need to take advantage of it. And from there, um, we applied for the grant, the Atlanta Falcons they were wonderful. They helped us along the way uh, from anywhere from purchasing equipment and the uniforms to um, offering clinics. Um, they've just been a, a true partner in this uh, growing sport, for sure. What's it been like to see it grow practically exponentially here in the state of Georgia over the last handful of years? Oh, it's been amazing. And um, I've always been a proponent of opportunity for all athletes, but just to see, uh, give our girls an opportunity to play flag football is just amazing. And, you know, it's one of those things that until you try it, you just didn't know if there was going to be that interest there. But um, I can tell you in our pilot program, um, we had six schools that participated, all six of our high schools participated, and we had an interest meeting. And just from that pilot year, uh, we knew that this thing was going to grow because from the interest meeting, we had at one high school, over 100 kids show up. They had to put wow. the tryout. <laughs> so that was really cool. And then once the pilot program got off the ground and the word got out, um, there was, you know, buzz around the surrounding districts like, why aren't we doing that? You know, why can Cherokee girls play football? And we can't play football. So it's just been really cool um, to watch it all unfold and to, to really watch the sport grow, you know, from the first championship game to um, this past one, you can just see the skill level just continue to get more and more sophisticated because the girls are more familiar with the sport. 
I know adding another official GHSA sport was complicated enough trying to squeeze that in 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 October when there's so many other things going on. But for schools, it's difficult as well, right? So you're having a varsity team and now some schools have so much interest they need a JV team. How is all of this working? So that's a funny story. Um, we actually had a principal at, when we pitched this to our schools, we had a principal who was a little bit hesitant, not based on the fact that he didn't want to support the girls or the activity, but just where are we going to fit this in our schedule? And if it's just going to be a few girls and, you know, we're adding another activity to, to potentially have to, you know, finance in the future. And I'm just not sure this thing is going to work. <laughs> So I kind of, he was kind of kicking and screaming. I drug him into the pilot program, and two months later, you know, the pilot program comes to an end. He calls me up on the phone, and he says, Coach Sebring, that's how he knew me. Uh, Coach Sebring, we gotta, we've got to add a JV program. We didn't, we've got too many girls. We're, we're cutting kids. We don't need to be cutting kids on this. So it was really um, it was an aha moment for him, but it was um, a pretty special moment for me. When you get to to see all this stuff progress, I know that when we're discussing high school football on the boys' side, we're looking at regions and we're looking at traditional rivalries and things like that. It's a little different, the layout that it is for flag football, just for, for folks that might sit there and look at teams that aren't necessarily familiar to them in the high school football region setup. Describe the area setup and how all that comes together. Right. So I think eventually we will get to regions, but um, the area set up is actually for um, growing sports or sports that don't have full participation in order to create regions. So a lot of times you'll have to create um, an area that might combine regions or combine specific areas based on travel. Um, and I'll give you an example. Um, our county schools are in an area, but we've also picked up Blessed Trinity and Roswell and Fellowship Christian. And Fellowship Christian would not even be in our classification. Yeah, interesting. Uh, typically, but because they're geographically removed, they have moved them into our area for competition. What's it like to have all of these different aha moments as the, as the sport continues to grow? You mentioned that aha moment locally, but what's it like to see all of these aha moments? And it's not just about the sport and what it's able to do, but you're talking about all of the other redeeming qualities that you have off the field that are there on the field as well. What's it like to see all of these other things happening that are a series of aha moments with this sport? Well, I tell you, it's amazing. And what the, the main thing that I've, I have seen just in this, the three short years that I've been involved with flag football in our district with our schools is number one, Black football offers an, offers an opportunity for maybe somebody who didn't have a fit somewhere else. Maybe they weren't a good softball player or they weren't a good volleyball player. The sport is so new that, you know, they have athletic ability or they have that interest in football that there's really a combination of kids that come out for this. And um, it offers, you know, we're in this life now of you start playing volleyball at age nine and you play, you know, volleyball with the same group of girls all through high school. But this is a different aha moment you know you're joining a different team and um with different obviously same goal is to you know win and compete and uh but it's really good to watch the sport grow but also to watch kids come together and become multi-sport athletes that hadn't even thought about doing that um the second part of that question would be off the field um you know our first year sequoia high school did a had a great story that i i shared at a clinic that i presented for the falcons and that was they enjoyed the game of flag football so much they had a manager 
um, who was with the Goshen Valley Boys Ranch, um, which is for foster kids. He he was their manager, and um, they kind of took him under their wing, and come Christmas and Thanksgiving, they went out to that Goshen Valley Boys Ranch, and that Sequoia softball team, uh, excuse me, (laughs) flag football team, um, had a day of flag football teaching those that group of boys how to play flag football, and they had a great co-ed game. It was just a really good, (laughs) real good story, bringing everybody together uh, and community. This is bigger than just Georgia, right? This is this is going nationwide, and you've actually pitched to another professional team to get things going in that in another state, correct? That is correct. Yes, um, I did a virtual clinic. I, I say I did it. I was part of a virtual clinic um, who spoke on how to strategies on how to get a program up and going. And the Buffalo Bills had tuned into that that virtual clinic that the Falcons had put on, and so um, a community relations director. I don't know if that's his official title. He reached out to me and asked if I would do the same thing for the Buffalo Bills. So I I believe they're in the infancy stages of that, that um, they're real excited and um, just trying to, you know, obviously the Falcons have done this right. They've put the money behind it. They put the effort behind it. And I think uh, you'll see a lot more professional teams trying to jump on board with this initiative. Last question for you. What is it like to see the fruits of your labor come to fruition with girls flag football on TV, on GPB? And and what do you think the future of the sport will be? Um, I, well, I'll tell you, it's surreal. And it is, um, I've been in this business for the athletics business for a long time from coaching to being a local school athletic director to now a district athletic director. And really, it's just all about offering positive experiences and opportunities for for kids. And I think that we've done that. And I think with the help of the Falcons and Georgia high school, they've hit the nail on the head. And with this being a, you know, a sport right out of the chute, um, it continues to grow. I think within the next two or three years, you're going to see a full region schedule where the schedules will mirror what the softball, the volleyball, and the, um, the football schedules look like. In other words, schools competing within those regions. Awesome, Tanya. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate this, and we cannot wait to air a full season of flag football coming up, John. (laughs) That's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I hope to see you on the sideline. No, thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Okay. Y'all have a good day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. As always, great to catch up with Coach Sebring to find out how things started and where they're continuing to grow, and especially with her input up there in Cherokee County. We mentioned earlier in the show that this is taking hold in East Central Georgia as well. We mentioned that Portal Panther podcast participation. So here it is, the new head coach, who's been an assistant for quite some time. He knows what flag football means to where you're playing. Michael Holsenbach, the new head coach of the Portal Panthers. Coach Holsenbach, thank you so much for joining us today. We are really excited to be here talking about girls' flag football. And, hey, big congratulations to you. You were recently promoted from assistant to head coach of the Portal Panthers. Yay. (laughs) Well, I say that I'm excited. I I met with some of the prospective team members yesterday, uh, Friday, and uh, I'm more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Okay. But the guy that started the program, Jay, he retired from teaching Mm -hmm. this past February, and uh, I just felt like I wanted to to uh, take a different role and see if we can continue uh, what's been going on the last two years in Port of Georgia. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned, and it's almost like discussing a legacy, considering what uh, what Jay was able to do in a very short period of time with a new sport there there in Portal. What's it been like to have 
a championship contending side ever since the sport started. Like literally from jump, Portal has been a part of the discussion chasing after the last game of the year. What's that been like the last couple of years? Um, it's been a huge boost to the community. And, you know, um, Portal is one of the smallest single A schools in the state. Mm-hmm. And we probably have just, if I was just estimating, maybe 125 girls in the entire ninth through 12th grade. So the first year when we played Greenbrier in the semifinals, you're looking at a, a four or five A school, which so they have a larger pool of young ladies to pull from. As Coach Redick always said, on the field it's seven on seven, but uh, it, it's it's been just a boost, a huge boost to the community walking around and people say, oh, I saw you on television, I saw your girls play back to back state championships, and uh, so it's 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 been humbling, humbling to to. to the comments from other people about the success of the program so early. You said you just met with the team and you're a behind the scenes guy. So what was it like for you to be up there in front of the team? Uh, what what was your message to them and what was that like for you? Uh, well, it's funny. One of the players from last year said to me, you said you're a behind the scenes guy and you're going to be the head coach. Same kind of question. How are you going to work? <laughs> I, I can do the head coach. The, the advantage that coach Reddick had is he was the media specialist at the high school. Okay. So, his schedule was a little more flexible, so he was able to do a lot of things, little things that will be a little more challenging for me, such as watching game film. Uh, he can call the girls to come down to the office at lunchtime, and they can watch film. So some of those small detail things he was able to do that gave us a little bit of a, a boost because now he played 16 years of uh, college flag football, so he brought a wealth of knowledge with him, and we played together. So uh, I'm just going to try to take – uh, some of the things that he did and, and keep moving forward. And there's some little things that I may change. Uh, but for the most part, we're just going to keep the train running. Uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned keeping the train running, and it's been really cool to see what it means for these athletes. And I'm not just talking about, you know, wins and losses and chasing championships and all that kind of stuff. It's about, you know, self-esteem and, you know, winning in a sport and all of the team elements. Now we get to see that in flag football. What's it been like for you and the coaching staff and everybody there at Portal to see all of the growth, not just on the field, but off of it with these athletes? Well, uh, what's been impressive is getting, you know, the first year, um, I think when we had our first meeting, 47 girls came out and expressed an interest in, in playing. When tryouts came around, we had 13 girls try out, 13 girls made the team. This past season, I think there were 24 people that came and try, tried out, including veterans from the previous year. And yes, uh, Friday's meeting, there was about 39, 40 girls, if I estimate. Wow. So it is growing, the interest in the sport, girls wanting to play football, and uh, just like the boys do, mm-hmm. but just in a different capacity, you know, flag belts, uh, shorter field, different time frame, but it's just good to see girls playing football. Let's elaborate on that a little more and talk some X's and O's. What are the biggest differences in flag football than regular football besides the obvious, the flag and the no contact? Get, you know, Take me through some plays. What, um, what all goes into it? Well, you're playing seven on seven, so everybody's eligible for a pass. So when the ball snaps, the center, the lineman, Receivers, everybody can go out. So you you we, you can run a uh, we call it six wides. When the ball snaps, all six people everybody's on running a vert. Everybody's <laughs> on a vert. Running vertical or running some kind of route. You may have alternate. Have them doing curls. One's doing an eight yard curl. One's doing a five yard curl. 
all the way across from left to right or right to left, however you want to do it. So, every, so the defense got to be on their toes. Uh, finding the right players, uh, y- y- your rushers on defense are important. If, they, if you have a, two good rushers that are quick and can put pressure on the quarterback, that will dictate how the game is going to go. If they don't necessarily play assignment football, then you're chasing the quarterback. And then when that happens, then you got defenders having to leave their women to come up, make plays, and when you do that, then the quarterback will pick you apart. So everybody's eligible for a pass. When I started playing in 83 as a freshman at Georgia Southern, everybody had two blocking backs. So when the ball was snapped, you had two rushers with two blockers trying to screen block in the quarterback. The game evolved now is, you know, everybody's going out for a pass. And it's one-on-one. you got one rusher chasing the quarterback and, you know, are you going to get the sack? Or if the quarterback gets outside, somebody's going to open. And uh, so you've got to have a short game and a long game because if a team's able to sh- shut down, they play a prevent defense play uh, to stop the long passes, you got to be able to throw the ball short and pitch and things like that and be creative, catch schemes off guard because you can watch everybody on film. I want to ask about support, and it was something that you talked about briefly just a couple of minutes ago, with Portal being one of the smallest schools in single A, and it's in East Central Georgia, and we know that, that football is king in the, the, the high school football element on Friday nights. What has the support been like, and what has it evolved into there for the flag football team what is it like in the community? What's it like in a, in, a, in a community the size of Portal, both for the school support and the community support? What has it been like to see, and how much has it grown with the success of the program? Um, you know, initially, the, the first season, we only played, I think, two or three home games. So most of our crowd support were parents of the kids that were playing. Last year, we did have more, more people come and play. Um, we've had great uh, we've done a couple of fundraisers where we, we do uh, this year we're going to do a golf tournament. Usually they pick three sports and this year they decided. So we're going to try to raise money for the program to help with finances, especially towards uh, when we make trips. Like when we met, made Atlanta, we rented a bus instead of driving the uh, yellow school bus that only goes 55 miles an hour. There you go. So we had to raise, we have, we have to raise funds. We've had some generous donations from the community, uh, so this is, the support's been really good, and I hope it even grows more as we, we get bigger and more people come out and, and see us play with the success that we've had the past two years. Along those same lines, John, when a sport becomes popular, mm-hmm. like girls' flag football is, and when you start becoming good, like Portal is, right. back-to-back state championship runs, you, you literally could not have gone further Besides, besides winning, which you guys could do again this year, um, the pressures change. How have you seen the sport change in just the few years that it's been around? Look, you know, the, the, the first year after we met, the first time we got together, if you had been watching us preparing for the first game, you would have been like, they're going to have a long year. <laughs> we, were, we were meeting, and, and Coach Reddick was walking, and he said, oh, I've already made reservations to the uh, – the barbecue place outside Turner Field. And I said, well, what was that for? He goes, well, we have to have high expectations. If we don't have high expectations for ourselves and the girls, they're not going to have expectations. He goes, my, my goal is to win a state championship the first year. And, uh, you know, you got to have some breaks. We had a couple games in the playoffs that COVID interrupted. And, uh, and so there were a couple comments about that. Someone said, well, you know, they – 
You know, they got – it was on – I think someone tweeted, I don't know who it was, said something about, well, they got a couple games that were forfeits. And, you know, you, you play the, the cards that are handed to you. So, to follow that up the next year, I think we played – we beat three number one seeds in the playoffs and then lost to a number one seed in the championship game. So, you know, we have a, you know, we have a, tough, a tough road to go. This year, our, our sub area, there's, two, there's 12 teams now. We're going to have two six-team six areas, and they're going to run from one, 1A to, to 5A. So we're definitely going to have to step it up and uh, see if we can find some gems within, the, within our school, girls that, haven't, that didn't play last year or the year before that are athletic, that maybe we can turn those skills into a, a finished product uh, to help us be successful again this year. Because you never know. When, when we start in September, when we finally you know, have our actual tryouts, you don't know who's coming back, and you don't know who's new is going to come add to your program. So you're open. Uh, we're going to try to do a, some sessions uh, next week with some of the kids who have never played just to kind of give them a feel of what the game is. But you're very limited because you only can have four, four people on the field at one time with a coach. So I'm going to have to do it like in the little time slots. A group of four comes at 3.30, they leave and go home. Another group comes in so that we can get an idea of what kind of talent we have and what kind of knowledge they have about the game of flag football. So then let me ask you this. With yes, uh, the student body, any student body, if you're a coach, if I ask you as a coach of a successful program, why flag football? Why should, why should uh, student athletes – lean toward flag football as a sport and as an experience during their high school years? Why flag football? Because it's so much fun. It's fast. You're, you're, there is contact. You're diving for flags. You get a chance to go to Atlanta and play for a state championship. It's, it's, pretty it's sweet. tremendous. I played, I played overall in my life, I played 27 years. And when, when Coach Reddick called me and said, hey, we're going to have a flag football team at Portal, he said, you want to be a part of it? I said, you're darn right. <laughs> and, and, and to go out there and to be able to take what we, I've learned over all these years and be able to, to transfer that to a group of young ladies and see once that light bulb goes off. Because, like, uh, the first season, each game, we just got a little bit better. If you told me we're going to end up in the championship game, I'd have been like, I just don't see it. But each game – we just got a little bit better, and then when we played Dodge County, uh, the champs from this past season for the, uh, the the second area, and we we beat them nineteen to nothing. That's when I I saw, especially on defense, the girls were getting it about what we were trying to do, and then just kept going all the way to the championship game. Even though we came up a little bit short, it was still a great season. Last question for you, and it goes off those same lines. So you said you played collegiately. There are opportunities for women to play collegiately flag football as well, mm -hmm. right? And that's gaining that's gaining popularity. Yes. Um, you know, before, I don't know how long they've been doing in NAIA. Before, it was just intramural flag football. I think they're right now through a program with the Atlanta Falcons. There's 15 NAIA schools that are offering flag football scholarships to play flag football. Very cool. And uh, that's, I mean, and hopefully that's going to get bigger each year. I, I went up to the uh, coaches clinic, new coaches clinic in Macon three or four weeks ago. And there, and, uh, and, the, and the lady from the Falcons was just talking about how much they are putting into the sport. They are committed because they want more 
women in college football and in the NFL in some capacity. And maybe someday there's going to be an opportunity for a female to play at that level. I don't know. But I certainly want to be the one to tell them you can't play football. And maybe we, maybe they can say you can't play in pads because uh, physically uh, it doesn't work. But flag football gives them another opportunity. It's another sport they're able to, to learn and to excel in. So I, I just think it's a tremendous opportunity. Awesome. Got chills. Got chills. Love this sport. Love talking about girls playing football. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. And we cannot wait to see you guys play this fall and hopefully air air your team on another state championship. I hope so, too. I think (laughs) October 13th, we're going up to uh, Forsyth uh, County and playing in the uh, Class of Champions. That is true. You're playing Archer. Yes, Archer. Very good. Yeah, and the challenge this year is going to be Southeast Bullet, the defending champs. We're on the – we're – we're in the same county, uh-huh. so it's interesting. Uh, people were upset last year, and they were saying that, uh, I, you know, you think that the Georgia high schools would move the championship game here locally, and I look at them and I'd say, now, they've had this planned out for months. They're supposed to put an asterisk, so if two teams from the same county play, we'll play locally. What an experience for these young ladies to go to Atlanta yep. for the semifinals and for the championship game and play play outside the Dome, play inside uh, – I was want to say old Turner Field in front of all those people televised. You, you just don't get that kind of exposure, so you can't. So, is there I any mean, truth to the rumor that Porter will play SCB at Paulson? Nah, I haven't heard that. <laughs> I just I start. I just rumor. started it, Coach. I just started that rumor. <laughs> John's I, making you know, things I, up. I, you know, it's interesting you say that, but the, they do the Irk Russell Classic to kick off the uh, yeah. tackle football season here, and uh, Portal's going to play Trutland County. There you go. And Portal's never had that. And I don't know. At, we usually play them at the at Panther Stadium, but uh, that might be something I have to look into. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Awesome, Coach. Well, we will be talking to you very soon. And I guess, okay. yeah, you'll be right on back on our airwaves October 13th. We're airing all those games, which we announced today yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to, to talk about Portal, uh, Georgia, and the uh, Lady Porter Panthers. That's I all, really do. It's all good. Thanks again, Coach. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Coach. All right. Great to catch up with Coach. And there was something that he said in there that kind of that mm-hmm. kind of triggered a, a memory for me. Have you ever seen the documentaries, uh, the 30 for 30, Survive in Advance on the yes. NC State Championship oh, yes. team? Mm-hmm. Okay. There was a, a moment where uh, I think it was Derek Wittenberg was talking about what they would do at practice, and they actually took one practice during that season, and they would just practice cutting down the nets. Literally, no ball movement, no no laps, no nothing. They would actually bring the ladder out, bring out the scissors. Everybody goes up the ladder, and they practice what it's like winning a championship. Practice cutting down the nets, and I thought that that was really cool. When I heard Coach Holsenback talking about what Coach Reddick did, mm-hmm. making the reservations for yeah. the barbecue restaurant in Atlanta, I thought that that was really cool with the expectation level that he has for this program that's in its you know first couple of growth yeah. years. Infancy. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's like, I'm, I'm making reservations for barbecue in downtown Atlanta <laughs> because I expect this to be there. And yeah. I think that that's really cool out of the blocks for a coach to sit there and have that high expectation wanting to be playing in the last game of the year. Yeah. I mean, you're just – Bringing it to fruition. Vision board, yes. if you will. A, a vision board. And also, one other thing, uh, the idea when we we're talking about scholarships, I've heard from other coaches that 
legitimately there will be players who will be contacted after we air the championship games at Georgia State Stadium, and they will be getting scholarship offers. Like the day they get home, coaches are calling them up after the weekend. It's like scholarship offer, or they're reaching out on social media next day after they play, scholarship offers. So once again, really cool stuff involving what we're seeing with flag football. Yeah, I wanted to get that last question in because when you have a sport like this that's gaining popularity, you you know how what all goes into a sport, mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's girls or boys, their girls are putting their hearts into this game now. And what what's next? You know, are there coaching opportunities? Are there scholarship opportunities? You know, what's going to be the next level for girls flag football? And I love that the NAIA is adding these sports to their to their lineup. Yeah, and I thought that it was really cool going back quickly to Coach Sebring's interview before we you know bring in Ernie Yarborough quickly where she was mentioning how it's being impacted with other NFL franchises and the idea that you could, you know, impress the Pagulas, Kim and Terry Pagula, the owners of the Buffalo Bills, if they're seeing what Arthur Blank is doing, they're going to want to do the same thing. And as much as they they have that impact in Buffalo and they, they want to make sure that that legacy is there, having something like this certainly could add to the legacy if it's something that they do in the New York public schools there in western New York. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about a lot of positives on the sport, but there are still some stigmas when it comes to girls' flag football. And I was able to talk to Ernie Yarborough, the assistant executive director of the GHSA, and he explained to me what still needs to be done. For some reason, and we know this is football country, but for some reason uh, the schools in South Georgia are very reluctant to, uh, you know, to put their, their toe in the water and, and, and feel what it's going to be like. But I expect that to change relatively soon. Um, I think probably at, at some point in time, we're probably going to have four divisions. But it's, uh, it's extremely popular. It, I, I can't tell you how many folks, you know, talk to me about it and, and, and to Dr. Hines and, and always comment on how much they enjoy watching it. Because I think part of the reluctance in the beginning was, is, oh, What's it going to be? Is it going to be, you know, the, the traditional powder puff game that they have in the spring and all that? Well, it, it is far from that. These are, these are all skilled athletes that are extremely competitive. All pod, I've been waiting all podcasts to say that. <laughs> it's not powder puff. Right. This is something so different. And the teams in South Georgia have got to wrap their mind around it and, and get with it, John. Well, and all I'm going in, and that was kind of why I was asking Coach Sebring and Coach Holson back what it means, not just on the field, but off. All of the, the issues involving being involved in your community, being involved in a sport that you may not necessarily have you know, had the chance to, to be involved in for one reason or another. You, know, you, you find yourself, you find a home for yourself and your skill set athletically with having something like flag football right there on your campus. And, and so I, that's why I wanted to bring that to the table as, you know, you have all the other issues that we see in all the other sports. It's about self-esteem. It's about teamwork, all those other things. Flag football gives you that next element of it with a new sport that you can get in pretty much on the ground floor in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And Georgia is on the ground floor and has been in making sure that this as a high school sport nationwide is making an impact. So you're getting it uh, twofold, ground level in your community and your school, ground level in a top three state for athletics in the country, and I'll stipulate to that, 
two ways that you can make an impact in your community by hopping onto the flag football train. Well, this has been an awesome podcast. Oh, no doubt. I am so excited that we got to shed this huge light on flag football and break it down, hear from some of the people that are heavily involved across the state. And and I feel privileged that we get to be airing some of this, a full schedule on our streaming platforms and maybe, wink, wink, vision board, <laughs> we can get a lot more of these games on, on our actual air um, coming up in the next couple of years. Quick so. reminder, once again, Clash of Champions, as I'm calling it, the Daytona 500 (laughs) for flag football here in the state of Georgia. Clash of Champions on the GPB streaming services October 13th. So however you access the GPB stream, download the GPB sports app, iOS and Android. Could be the GPB app. And however you watch things on Georgia Public Broadcasting in whatever form it is, it is October 13th, Thursday night. GPB.org as well. We'll be doing this. Think of a three-dimensional streaming experience. GPB.org, sports app, all of that. October 13th, Clash of Champions, Southeast Bullock and Hillgrove, Archer and Portal, West Forsyth and Marietta at 6, at 7, and at 8. And then every Thursday after. And then Thursdays after that as we get you headed towards Center Park and, and Pete Petty Field for the state championships as well. So, We are your home for flag football here in the state of Georgia, GPB, gpb gpb.org, and the GPB Sports app. So for Hannah and for everyone who has been a part of putting this show together, everyone, uh, Tanya Sebring, the district AD for Cherokee County Schools, Michael Holsenbach, the new head coach of the Portal Panthers. It is uh, Commander Sandy, Jake the Snake, and King James as well. I am just John. Spring football is here, folks, and it's not just in form for what we see on Football Fridays. Play it safe, everybody. Enjoy your football.